Please grab a bulletin before you leave. It has all of the liturgies, the times, and I really want to encourage everybody to attend as many of the liturgies as possible, especially the Tritium, Holy Thursday, where we celebrate the most precious gift that the Lord gave, gave us, the Holy Eucharist, and he also instituted the priesthood. And then, of course, Good Friday, and then Easter Vigil or Easter Sunday. And we'll have a sung Mass on, on Easter Sunday as well, so it'll be a glorious, glorious occasion. So please be sure to grab a bulletin. And also, invite your friends and relatives to, if you're going to come to the sung Mass, invite them all. Huh? It's been a glorious past few days since yesterday and all the Masses this morning. Praise God. The churches were standing room only in here. So it was beautiful. When we say that the Easter and Christmas Catholics are coming, they're still part of the family. And just like any parent in here, when your kids go away and they come home when they're hungry or they'll do their laundry, you're like, oh, praise God, they're here, right? So we love them. We pray for deeper faith for us all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the solemn version of Palm Sunday, when we do all of the options, we usually begin outside of the church. We bless the palm branches. And there's a beautiful gospel reading that we read outside. And it's the story of when Jesus triumphantly enters into the city. And there was one line in there in English. It's translated that as Jesus was on that donkey and he enters into the gates of Jerusalem, it said that the whole city was shaken. And, I, and I'm emphasizing that word because that's by, that's by deliberate, the deliberate word that the author uses, that the whole city was shaken. And you'll see that on the bulletin cover, it's the quote that we use to go along with the image. To use that word shaken, we must now imagine thousands of people at the gate welcoming our Lord. There would have been cheers. The, the, the very stones of the walls of Jerusalem would have literally been shaking through the raucous crowd. But we all know what's going to happen to that same voice, don't we? We all know that same crowd that was shaking the walls of Jerusalem will take a complete 180 turn. And no longer will they scream out, Osana in the highest, but they'll say, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. If we were there in that crowd outside of that city, and we all know the story, let's say somehow we travel back in the time and, and we go to Jesus. He's sitting on the donkey. And somehow we were able to move through the crowd and we have one little moment with him. And we say to our Lord, Lord, don't go into that city. Don't go. They're about to 
beat you. The Romans will scourge you. Your own people will spit in your face. They will punch you. They will mock you. They will make you carry a cross. Jesus, don't go into that city. What do you think our Lord will say to us? I bet you, our Lord sitting on the donkey outside of the city walls, the crowd cheering. I bet you Jesus wouldn't even look at us. Rather, his eyes would be set on Jerusalem. And he would say to, uh, say to us, I must go there. I must go. I must go into the city. And I bet you Jesus would even have a little smirk on his face. I must go. In one of the most famous books of the last 20th century, it was written by a man named Viktor Frankl. It's called A Man's Search for Meaning. I'm sure many of you have read it. It was one of the most popular books, especially when the generation of World War II were, were coming of age. And Viktor Frankl, in that book, writes about his experience at the Nazi concentration camps. And as we all know, that, that was dark. The Nazis were demonic. And Viktor Frankl said he noticed one characteristic which separated the two groups that lived, that went through the concentration camps and survived, and the other group that didn't. He was able to notice one striking characteristic that separated those two groups. And he said, the ones that lived, understood why. They remembered the why. The other group that died in the concentration camps lost all hope, and they forgot the why. Victor Frankl would sum it up saying that he who has a why can bear any how. Meaning, if we understand why we're doing what we're doing, we can endure anything. He who has and knows their why can endure anything that the world can throw at us. If we were to ask Jesus now at those city walls, Jesus, do not go into that city for you will endure your most horrific pain. In fact, you will endure the most horrific death any person has ever endured. Jesus doesn't care about that. He doesn't care how many times the Romans were going to whip him. He doesn't, care, he doesn't care how many spits he's going to endure in his face. He doesn't care that they're going to strip him naked. He doesn't care of how many nails will go into his hands. He doesn't care any of, about that. 
because our precious Lord knows the why. He's going to go into Jerusalem because he knows he will save humanity. And he knows that why which keeps him locked in, keeps him on his, on his eyes on Calvary. He knows he must go. And so the question for us today, do we know our why? Why are we Christian? Why am I Catholic? Why do I pray? Why do I pick up my rosary? Why do I come to Mass every single Sunday? You see, if we know our why, we can endure anything. And the answer to the why will always be the same answer as our Lord. It is because love compels me. 